All right, let's wrap it up here. Father, we love you. We thank you so much for your presence with us. We thank you that we can gather in Jesus' name. We thank you for the fellowship that we have in Christ. And and um, God, we have your word and we have your spirit, but we also have each other. And <clears throat> we just confess to you, God, we need you most of all. And we definitely need your word to know what to do. But God, without each other, um, like, like, I don't know what we do be doing this morning. So God, I just thank you for the body. I thank you that we get to be a part of it. We love you and ask for your help this morning and receiving from you the things we need. We ask this in Jesus name. Amen. <clears throat> so it's been a busy week. I don't know if you've been a part of everything, but but let's we we had the fall festival on Tuesday night. So our class hosted the uh prayer tent and the evangelism outreach super fun we got to share the gospel with a bunch of people we got to pray we didn't pray with a lot of people but there were some uh like serious prayers and counseling that happened so praise the lord for that <clears throat> and then we cleaned on friday night so for those that were able to do that and then we had the Grayland Reese 5K yesterday morning. So it was a busy ministry week. If you did Bible study or discipleship on top of that, you probably felt like uh, it was just nonstop ministry, which it was for us. But I don't know. I kind of feel, feel filled up. Like it's not draining stuff because it's all serving the Lord and it's all fellowship. So um. Speaking of the Grayland Reese 5K, um, I know Christine, Dave, and Shauna were there, Patrick, Mike, and Deanna, Sudi. Am I missing anybody? You were there, okay. Yeah, your kids were there. Um, I had two goals. One goal was to not get hurt. Because I actually got hurt at that race a few years ago and had to get knee surgery. And uh, my mic is on. Okay. And I got a green light. I got hurt at the Grand Henry's 5K a few years ago. I didn't get any surgery. So my number one goal was not get hurt. My number two goal was not get hurt. My, my, but I did have another goal, and that was to do the 5K in 30 minutes. All right. So go to the next slide for me, Dempsey. Here's my results. I was 64th. My bib number was 1087. That's me. I'm 54. Male. This is my age group. I was fifth out of six in my age group. And I ran 939 and my time was 30 minutes and one second. Can you believe that? That's, that's my pace. Yeah, barely. Yeah, my goal was 30 minutes and I did it in 30 minutes and one second. Like I probably could have found an extra second in there somewhere like. Oh, my goodness. Anyway, we we had a good time. Um, OK, here's something super cool about the I don't know if you know about the Grayland Reese 5K. Gordon and Mandy lost a two year old. That's what. That's what started this event, and um, he would be 18 this year, right, Christine? 2008. 
he would have been 18. So um, we've been running races and raising money for orphans. So out of that tragedy has come blessing. And um, But not only that, go to the next slide for me. Here, this is Boston, Massachusetts. So guess what they did yesterday morning? Well, we're running a 5K here in Kansas City. They're running a 5K in Boston, the church plant there. Go to the next slide. Here's the group that ran. Now, I'm pretty sure Mike Renault and Brian Clark didn't run. They're standing in back in their khakis. I don't know if you could tell, but but I'm pretty sure they didn't run. But the, the, the rest of the group ran the, the 5K, so that's super cool. Okay, not only that, go to the next slide. This is Costa Rica. This is the church that we get to help be a part of, a sister church in Pihe, uh, Costa Rica, Iglesia del Norte, the north side church, maybe we'd say. But all, this is the, the members of the church who signed up, bought the shirt, supported the race. They had a, twice that many kids running with them, too. So the Grayland Reese 5K is is raising money and supporting refugee children and orphans all over the, well, at least the Americas so far. Uh, I talked to a guy from Iola yesterday, and he said his pastor's pushing him to start a 5K slash maybe bike ride. Mike, I thought a do-a-thon would work. Run, bike, run. Or just bike, and then we could do that. But but Mike's going to be the contact person for that. We're going to see if Harvest Baptist Church in Iola doesn't doesn't start something like that. But that's super cool. It was uh, so anyway. It's been a busy week. It's been a blessed week. I hope you got to be part of some of the stuff uh, that went on. But okay, we're in Ruth. Open your Bibles to Ruth. We've been we've been in Ruth for 29 weeks. We'll be wrapping it up just in a few weeks here. Uh, but we're in Ruth chapter four right now. By way of review, we use the acronym R-E-S-T. R is for Redeemer. There's no rest without the Redeemer. No chance of finding rest in to in your soul without the Redeemer. So in the story of Ruth, Boaz is the Redeemer. In your story, Christ is a Redeemer. In my story, Christ is the Redeemer. Okay, E is to enter into a position of faith in the finished word of God. Like God gave us his word, he put a period at the end of it. We can trust it. We can just rely on whatever he says. That's what I'm going to do, and he's going to take care of it, and I can just rest in that. I get grace through faith. S is stop. Stop it. Stop with your own works. Stop trying to earn what can only come through imputed righteousness. That means God just gives it to you through faith in, in Christ. So don't stop serving the Lord. Just stop be stop restlessly trying to come to a place of righteousness through self. And then T is trials. It's to trust God during the trials, actually. So um, unbelief, unbelief leads to unrest. Um, and unbelief isn't actually because we don't think God can. It's just you don't want to trust someone else with your well-being. Some people are afraid to love because they, they know they're going to get hurt. And they're just like, well, I refuse to get hurt. And it's like, well, you're not trusting, you know, and like, like I'm not saying you have to get married, but you have to enter into relationships with other people. 
Well, yeah, but what if they hurt me? No, they're going to hurt you. Just do it because God told you to do it. Just trust him. And what happens is trials come in our life and the trial reveals our unbelief. Okay, so God sent the 12 spies to the promised land to spy it out. That was a trial of their faith because he already told them he was going to give them the land, but they had to trust him for the giants and all that. It revealed they actually had some unbelief. Does that make sense? Trials are so good because they reveal areas where we don't believe. And so that's by, that's review. Oh, one other thing. We talked about this leveret marriage. You guys know what I'm talking about? The brother-in-law marriage from Leviticus. I'm sorry, from Deuteronomy. Okay, Deuteronomy 25, uh, 5. Let's go to the next slide. Okay, so it says, if brethren dwell together. So you got two brothers. They live side by side in the land that they inherited because they're part of the tribe of Judah, whatever, okay? And one of them die and have no child. The wife of the dead shall not marry without. Don't go to the next county to get married, okay? <clears throat> her husband's brother shall go in unto her and take her to him to wife and perform the duty of a husband's brother unto her. Okay, what is that duty? Well, here's the duty. It shall be that the firstborn which she beareth shall succeed in the name of his brother which is dead, that his name be not put out for Israel. Now we covered this. That family inherited the land, and so for that land to continue in that line, there had to be that firstborn son. So the brother-in-law is going to have a child with his ex-sister-in-law, now his wife, and then that son is going to have the name of the brother who died so that that land can stay in the family. Okay, perfect plan. Unless the guy doesn't want to do it. Look at verse 7. And if the man like not to take his brother's wife, okay, then let his brother's wife go up to the gates of the elders, okay, and say, okay, she gets to tattle. And you wives, you know you would love to tattle on your husbands in front of everybody. She gets to do it. My husband's brother refuseth to raise up his brother a name in Israel. He will not perform the duty of my husband's brother. My husband will not perform his honeydew list. My husband throws his socks on the floor. She gets to just throw them under the bus in front of everybody. Man, I thank God we don't have such a custom that Christine just gets to get up in front of everybody and just tattle on all this stuff that I don't do right. But anyway, she gets to tattle on her brother-in-law. Verse 8, Then the elders of the city shall call him and speak unto him. And if he stand to it, and say, I like not to take her. <laughs> oh my goodness. I don't know why I kind of make him Southern in my mind, but then shall his brother's wife come unto him in the presence of the elders and loose his shoe off from his foot and spit in his face and shall answer and say, so shall it be done unto the man that will not build up his brother's house. And his name shall be called in Israel. He gets his name changed. 
his last name goes from Jacobson or whatever to the house of him that hath his shoe loosed. Well, that means this is a guy that would not do the duty. He would not do his duty. Okay, I don't know. I don't know about your sister-in-law. Like, maybe it'd be worth it to get your name changed, to be shamed by everybody for the entire rest of your life. You wouldn't do anything like that. Okay, so praise the Lord. Um, we, we've talked about that a little bit, but what we're talking about this morning in Ruth chapter 4 is exactly this sort of thing, because we're going to be in the city gate, okay? The city gate was the place where official business got done. All right, so whoever's sitting in the city gate is of great public interest. Okay, so it'd be like if we walk in to the, to the town and you see Aaron and Robber over in the city gate. It's like, ooh, like something's going on. There's, they're working some deal. Yeah. Okay, so then the gossip would start to spread. Like, Hey, there's a deal going on in the city gate right now. Who is it? It's Aaron and Rob. I wonder what they're doing. Like, yeah, it's probably no good, right? Yeah, probably trouble. Do their wives know about this? Like, okay. So as Boaz and the others gathered, the gossip, gossip would be spreading. And here's the question. People kind of know. Okay. Is Naomi going to get redeemed? Is Ruth going to get redeemed? Because the thing is, to be a near kinsman, okay, we talked last week, there is a nearer kinsman than Boaz. You guys caught up with the story? There's a nearer kinsman. So who's going to redeem this family, if anybody? Are they going to do that? They don't know that Boaz is already committed to making sure it happens one way or another. Okay, because to be a kinsman does not make you a redeemer. We just read about the brother-in-law who's like, no, thank you. Spit in my face, take my shoe, change my name. I don't care. I'm not doing it, right? He didn't have to just because he was able to and he was socially, morally responsible to do so. He didn't have to. He had to be willing. So, so um, you know, being a redeemer costs something, right? Is someone going to do it? What's going on? And that's what we're looking at this morning. Read with me. Let's just read the first 11 verses of chapter 4. Then went Boaz up to the gate and sat him down there. And behold, the kinsmen of whom Boaz spake came by unto whom he said, Ho, such a one, turn aside, come sit down here. And he turned aside and sat down. And he took, Boaz took 10 men of the elders of the city and said, Sit ye down here. And they sat down. And he said unto the kinsmen, Naomi, that is come out of the country of Moab, selleth a parcel of land, which was our brother Elimelech's. And I thought to advertise thee, saying, Buy it before the inhabitants and before the elders of my people. If thou wilt redeem it, redeem it. But if thou wilt not redeem it, then tell me that I may know. Look, look at this next part. It's going to be important. For there is none to redeem it beside thee, and I am after thee. And he said, I will redeem it. So this nearer kinsman who had a chance to pick up another piece, of, another property, another parcel of land, he's like, yes, 
I will do it. I'll buy this land, which has been leased out to someone else, but now I'll buy it back because I'm the closest one who gets it in the family. Okay. Then said Boaz, verse 5, What that day thou buyest the field of the hand of Naomi, thou must buy it also of Ruth the Moabitess, the wife of the dead, to raise up the name of the dead upon his inheritance. We know what that's about now. And the kinsmen said, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I mar mine own inheritance. Redeem thou my right to thyself, for I cannot redeem it. So he changes his mind. Okay, when, when the deal includes marrying Ruth, having a child with her, and their firstborn son is now going to get that land, and he's not going to get the land. It's not going to be in his name. It's going to be in his brother's name, and that's going to belong to someone else, and he has a new wife now. He's like, I'm out. I can't redeem it lest I mar my own inheritance. Listen, I got my own thing going on. I was all about gaining more for myself and even paying the, that price. If it benefits me, I'll buy it. But I'm not going to, I'm not doing that. I'm not paying a price for something that's going to, that's going to not be mine. Okay. So now this was the manner in the former time in Israel concerning redeeming and concerning changing for to confirm all things, a man plucked off his shoe and gave it to his neighbor, and this was a testimony in Israel. So we kind of know where that custom comes from now, right? From that Deuteronomy 25, 5 through 10, when the woman would take off his shoe. So that turned into a custom. Therefore the kinsman said unto Boaz, Buy it for thee, you buy it. So he drew off his shoe. And Boaz said to the elders and to all the people, Ye are witnesses this day that I have bought all that was Elimelech's and all that was Kilion's and Malon's of the hand of Naomi. Moreover, Ruth the Moabitess, the wife of Malon, have I purchased to be my wife to raise up the name of the dead that uh, upon his inheritance that the name of the dead be not cut off from among the brethren and from the gate of his place. And ye are witnesses this day. And the people that were in the gate and the elders said, we are witnesses. Okay, so that's our passage this morning. And there's some interesting stuff in this passage. But first, we could just maybe make this outline. And this is in your, in your handout. In verses 1 and 2, we see the witnesses are gathered. Okay. In verses 3 through 7, we see that this opportunity for redemption okay, is rejected. So there's an opportunity for redemption that is rejected by the near the nearest kinsman. Yeah. Okay, so then in eight through ten, we see this opportunity for redemption is received or accepted. And then in verse 11, we see these witnesses which were gathered for this cause. They, they just, they're like, yes, we, the witnesses witness. So the witnesses, they, they witness. Okay, so that, if we just make this our outline of the passage, 
we can look at this and kind of figure out what we need to see doctrinally and what we need to see personally. We know from 2 Timothy 3, 16 and, and 17, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. So we know we are supposed to learn both doctrinally and personally from this passage. So that's just what I want to kind of do real quick. We'll just look at this from a doctrinal doctrinally, and then we'll look at it personally and see if we can't figure out. Here's really what you need to figure out. Like, what's the deal with the nearer kinsman? Like, who is that anyway? And 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 what are we supposed to learn from it? Because isn't it an interesting story? Like, we know historically that's what happened. There's your historical, you, you could learn some things about farming or something historically. Historically, that's what happened. Doctrinally, though, what we're talking about in this passage is we're talking about redemption. And we'll just do redemption slash redeemer. Okay? So we have redemption slash redeemer, and, and that's in our passage there. Um, we already read from Deuteronomy 25. 5 through 10, that the Redeemer has to be what? A kinsman? Huh? Male. Has to be what? Kinsman? Willing. Willing and able. Those are the three requirements for a Redeemer. The Redeemer has to be a kinsman, has to be willing, has to be able. Ah, yeah. Giving up his personal name for the you know for the greater good of the tribe of Israel. Mm -hmm. But it's taking away from your personal name and giving it to family or the tribe to get. All right. So the redeemer has to be willing to to sacrifice for other people's good. So you you that, that's where we're going to end up, actually. Okay, so that's part of willing. Like the, the nearer kinsman's like, I ain't doing that. Like, no way. Okay, so let's talk about the nearer kinsman from a doctrinal standpoint. If Boaz is a picture of Christ, which he is, what? Who's the nearer kinsman? What's he a picture of? What is what is his identification? Okay, of the identification of the near kinsman. What do you think? Any guesses on that? I know a lot of people. They'll say that it's it's God the Father. God the Father can't approach sinful creatures. Because he'll be tainted with their sin and they'll just all end up getting burnt to a crisp because of their sin. Some people will say that, that, you know, it's God, the Father. And that Christ had to become a man, our Redeemer, born in the flesh to do that. Some people say it's the law. The law came, right? And people were supposed to follow the law and that's how they're going to be right with God. Some people will say the flesh. Unbelievers? 
the reality is the Bible doesn't tell us, okay, that we don't know for sure who it is. And really the identification, I, I kind of tend to think it's somewhere in here, um, but it's the identification is not the main thing that we need to, to, to look at, okay? Um, I just wanted to throw that out there. Those are the things that people typically talk about. The issue we find in, in, in verse six, look at the, look at verse six with me. It says, here, go back. I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I mar mine own inheritance. Redeem thou my right to thyself, for I cannot redeem. Okay, so I, me, I, myself, go to the next one. Look at this. This guy's like, I, myself, I, mine, it's like Romans 7. I, I, the good that I would, I can't, I, 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 and then you get to Romans 8, and it's like spirit, 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 spirit. So the thing is, like, this guy is all about his inheritance, myself, I. And so the, the point, the main point that we need to look at in this is, is not what's his identification. The main point is, is what's the problem with the near kinsman? And we know every word of God is pure. And it's the eyes and the myself and the eyes and the minds and the inheritance that this guy already has before he's introduced to Boaz and like he knows Boaz or like cousins or whatever. But, OK, it's his inheritance and his selfness. That's the problem. OK, so where does where does that come from? OK. Um, well, OK, so. It's not the identification. The issue is that he couldn't do it, that the nearer kinsman was unable to be a redeemer. Okay, so he, the nearer kinsman, that's NK, we'll call him, he couldn't redeem. Choice. Yeah, well, yeah, it's but. Not that he couldn't, he just chose not to. Yeah, historically, the story, the guy said, no, I, I can't do it. I don't want to do it because I've got my own inheritance. The question is doctrinally, what does that look like? So let's let's just start tracing some of the eyes and me's and minds in scripture. Well, so we'll start with Isaiah chapter 14. What's in that chapter? That's the fall of Satan. Yeah. So so Isaiah 14, 12 through 14. This is a famous passage in scripture. Oh, go go to the next slide. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground which didst weaken the nations, for thou hast said in thy heart. Why did Lucifer get cast down? What did he do? Because here's what was in his heart. I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend to the heights of the cloud. I will be like the most high. You know what Satan's problem was in his pride? It's I, 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 I. Me, mine, check me out. He's supposed to be the anointed cherub that covereth. He's supposed to be reflecting who God is, transmitting the words of God. Instead, he's like, me, myself, I, I will be above everyone else. I will promote myself above you. And God cast him down to the ground for his selfishness. You guys see that? Okay, let's go on though. The serpent, that is Lucifer, cast down to the ground, by the way, 
said to the woman, Ye shall not surely die, for God doth know on the day that you eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as what? Ye shall be as gods. Okay, so ye shall be as gods, like God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit God? Big G God? Oh, ye shall be as gods. What, what kind of gods? Oh, go to the next verse. But if our gospel be hid, it's hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world. Okay, hang on, go back. God, big G God, doth know that in the day that you eat thereof, in the day that you rebel against God and disobey his clear commandment to you, like how hard is it? Don't eat that. In the day that you do that, ye shall be as gods. Okay, go back to the next verse. The God of this world. That's who Adam and Eve became like. Oh my goodness. All right, now, you're like Adam and Eve, they're so bad. Okay, next verse, Romans 5, 12. Wherefore, as by one man, who's that one man? Great, 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 great grandpa Adam. Whereas by one man, sin entered the world and death by sin. And so death passed upon you and you and you and you and you and me because we've all sinned. We've all inherited a rebellion against God and we all did it. Just like don't eat of that tree and they went and ate of that tree. God said, don't do it. And you did it anyway. I did it anyway. We've inherited a selfish, rebellious DNA that comes up and it's expressed and we end up breaking God's holy law. Okay, now, <clears throat> who is the nearer kinsman who can't redeem? It's everybody except Jesus Christ. Look at verse 4 in, in Ruth chapter 4. I thought to advertise thee, saying, Buy it before the inhabitants and before the elders of my people. If thou wilt redeem it, redeem it, Boaz says. But if thou wilt not redeem it, then tell me that I may know, for there is none to redeem it beside thee. And after you is me. Look, either you're going to redeem or I'm going to redeem, but there is no one else. Okay, Adam's race. Now, the devils aren't going to redeem anybody. We know that. So it's either, is, is Adam's race, are we going to redeem people or is Christ going to do it? The, the near kinsman is all of us. None of us can actually do what needs to be done. Only Christ can do it. Turn, turn. You guys look like you don't believe me. Okay, either that or you're just checking the chief score. So, uh, look at, look at, yeah, don't tell us the chief score. Uh, Revelation chapter 5. Turn with me to Revelation chapter 5. Okay, you will not understand Revelation chapter 5 until you understand the book of Ruth and what we're talking about. Revelation chapter 5. And I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book within, written within and on the backside, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the book and loose the seals thereof? And no man in heaven, nor in earth, nor under the earth was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. 
And I wept much because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. Okay. All of humanity is in trouble. And there's a book that's sealed. Study your books in Revelation. There's the books that people are judged out of. There's the book of life. And here's this book that's all sealed up. No one can read it. Out of all human history, no one born of Adam, no one in heaven, no one on earth, no one can open this book. And one of the elders, verse 5, saith unto me, Weep not, behold, the line of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and loose the seven seals thereof. No one is powerful enough to open the book, but the line of the tribe of Judah, which, by the way, Bethlehem is a town in, in what tribe? Judah and Boaz, who pictures Christ, the mighty man of strength. Only the line of the tribe of Judah can do this work that needs to be done, this work of redemption. So I looked up on the throne and saw a mighty lion. Is that what it says? Who's on the throne? Well, a lamb that looks like a healthy looking lamb? There stood a lamb as it had been slain. Okay, wait a minute. The only one who was able to redeem is the one who was slain. There is a cost of redemption. And here's the thing. Only Jesus Christ, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the lamb who was slain, was a relative who was willing and able to redeem a lost race back into himself. And he did it. I'm so grateful. What if he wouldn't have? What if he would have been like, I'm not doing that. I'll take, I'll take Naomi. I'll take the nation of Israel. But I'm not taking Ruth. I'm not taking the Gentiles. Have you seen how they live? They're sacrificing their babies to false gods. I'm not, I'm not laying down my life. I'm not paying the cost for them. But the, oh my goodness, Jesus did it. If you, if you, I love this chapter. And I beheld, verse 6, and lo, in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as it had been slain. And he took the book out of the right hand of him that sat on the throne. And we had taken the book, the four beasts and four and twenty elders fell down before the lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and open the seals thereof. Thank you, Lord. He wasn't just able. Being a relative and being able doesn't make you a redeemer. It just means you probably should. And he did it. I'm. Oh, my goodness. I, I, I can't wait till we get to gather around that throne and sing this song. This is future. It's going to happen. We're like, we're going to be. Okay. Read that song. It's amazing. Every creature which is in heaven and earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea. Verse 13. And all that are in them heard I saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth on the throne and unto the Lamb forever and ever. There is a cost to redemption and only Christ. That's number four. Only Christ can redeem. Okay. 
He did it. Okay, what about us personally? What's the personal application? We're not talking necessarily about redemption because you can't really like pay the, pen, the the price yourself. But for us, it's really more about reconciliation and reconcilers. Okay, we're not talking about you need to be a redeemer, but you need to be a reconciler. And, and where do we get that? We get that from 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I'm glad you asked. So um, turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 for a sec. Second Corinthians chapter five, verses 18 and 19. These will be familiar to a lot of you, these verses. It says, all things are of God. This, the, 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 Sam talked about the new creature in Christ this morning. All things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. So we've been reconciled and God's like, man, congratulations, you're, you're reconciled back into God. Now I'm going to give you a ministry. I'm going to give you a service, an act, the, uh, something for you to do. You are now going to be the ones that reconcile other people under the Father. Okay. Verse 19, to wit, to know that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not impeding their trespasses unto them, and hath committed to us the word of reconciliation. So this is the word of reconciliation that we've been given. We're supposed to take it and use it to reconcile others back to Christ. That's your job now that you're saved. That's my job now that I'm saved. Okay, so we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead be reconciled unto God. That's the message. So Christ isn't here, but the body of Christ, we're supposed to be telling people, be reconciled unto God through Christ. Here's how that works. And we share the gospel and we share our faith. Now, just like there's a cost to redemption, there is a cost to reconciliation. Okay. I We just jumped right into 2 Corinthians chapter 5, but if we studied it out, we'd have to start in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. So just look with me at 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Second Corinthians chapter four. Uh, maybe we could just start in, in, in verse one says we have received this ministry. Seeing we have this ministry as we received mercy, we faint not. Okay. And then if you could just kind of skim over that and jump down to verse seven, but we have this treasure, this message to share. In earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. So there's a treasure inside your earthen vessel. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Look at verse 10. Here's where we see the cost of reconciliation. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. Wait, what? I must decrease, he must increase, John the Baptist said. We actually sang about that this morning. I don't know if you if you remember that. We're singing those. The, the song went like this. 
Oh, the joy to be, joy to know. It's when I decrease, you fill up my soul. That's cool. I must decrease, he must increase. So that verse says, always bearing about in the body, the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. Okay, you know what your inheritance is? The near kinsman, he couldn't redeem because he didn't want to mess up his inheritance. You know what our inheritance is? It's our place in this world. Okay, so the cost of being a reconciler so that Christ can increase, you decrease, it's us giving up our place in this world, our inheritance, if you will. You're like, what are you talking about? I didn't get an inheritance. Well, you kind of did. Romans chapter 5, verse 12 says you did. You inherited a sinful nature from Adam. You know what happened? with Adam when he rebelled against God and he became his own God, all of a sudden those things which God had provided as blessings now became possessions. Mine. Me. I. It's all about me. I'm my own little God. I've got my rights. You can't treat me like that. I have my rights. Why? Well, because I'm basically like a little G God, and you have to respect my opinions. Okay, so the first words of a little kid are what? Yeah, it goes like, Dada, Mama, and then it's mine. No. So Christine and I, we're going to be like gold star parents of the year. So we're like, we're not going to use the word mine, and we're not going to use the word no. Like you can use not use the word no. Yeah, by the time they're 18 months. Mine, 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 no. Kylie was so independent. She would say, me do it. I do it. Me do it. Where's that come from? That's human nature. That's what we inherit. You know, okay, so people, I, I mentioned the other day, people that want to move forward in leadership. And they're trying to get more and they're trying to get more and they're trying to get more. Here's the thing that's missing. It's not about getting more. It's about what are you willing to give up? Okay. What are we talking about practically? Okay. So, so good question. I'm glad you asked. The rest of that song we sang. Okay. Oh, the joy to be, joy to know. It's when I decrease, you fill up my soul. Open my hands. Humble my heart. All that I have is yours. What do you mean, open my hands? Letting go. Oh, okay. Is it mine? Am I an owner? Or is it God's and I'm a steward? And Lord, whatever you want me to have, I'll gladly steward for your glory. But I'm not the owner. I'm a, I'm a steward. Okay, how about this? Does anyone need to hear your opinion? I know you got one. I'm not saying I don't want to hear it. I'm saying, does anybody really need to hear your opinion? Okay, do people need to hear the word of God? Why do we spend so much time talking about our opinion instead of the word of God? Okay, do people need to know your name? 
Do they need to know the Lord's name? Why do we spend so much time promoting ourselves and our opinions and standing up for our rights? And if we don't get them, I'm going to put conditions and demands and expectations on all you people. I'm going to hold grudges. Why? Because that little G God nature, the thing that we inherited, our place in this world is like a zombie. It's dead. You know you're crucified with Christ, right? Reckon yourselves dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God. And so the thing is, that thing, it's already been crucified. The vessel's already been ruined. We just let, let it be broken. Let the treasure come out through the broken vessel. I don't know if this makes any sense to you guys. The thing that it costs us to let Christ be seen in us is we have to give up ourselves. I can either promote Chris, who was born in this world of Adam's race, or I can promote Christ, but I can't do both. You can either promote, fill in the blank, your name, or you can promote Christ, but you can't do both. And so as we just say, okay, Lord, no one needs to know my name, but they need to know yours. They don't need to hear my opinion, but they do need to know your word. I don't need to protect my name, but I'm going to protect your name. Okay, you're going to get challenged on that. You probably get challenged on that on the car ride home. Praise the Lord. Okay. But it is so liberating to just say, oh, I have all I need in Christ. I'm not standing up for myself. I'm not defending myself. You're not going to get credit, even though that thing was your idea. You know what? That's fine. You're crucified with Christ. Your life is hid with Christ. Do we have some verses like that? Uh, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. It's not me. It's Christ people need to see. Okay, next. God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me, and I am crucified unto the world. I've been set free from it. Don't let the zombie of the flesh rise back up and get you all entangled with your reputation, your rights, your place, and your inheritance because that will keep people from seeing Christ in you. Does this make sense? I feel like I'm saying the same thing over again. You're dead. Your life is hid with Christ and God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall you appear with him in glory. You'll get the glory that's come in your name. But in the meantime, mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry, that stuff that's natural to us as part of the Adamic race. Okay. To be a reconciler costs something. All right. Jesus, Boaz was willing we need to be willing to just be like, okay, I must decrease, he must increase. I'm going to start promoting Christ and not self. So, all right, let's do this. We've got 10 minutes. Let's just wrap up in small groups. You can talk about this. You can pray. If there's something that you need to pray about, get prayer in your small groups. Otherwise, let's just kind of talk through, like, what's an area? What's an area that I can... Stop promoting myself and start promoting the Lord. What is something I need to let go of and 
quit being an owner and start being a steward. Does that make sense? All right, we got 10 minutes and then uh, go ahead and finish up in your small groups.